0: Hi, welcome to CMO Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, the president and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. And today as our guest, we have Louise Trump, who is the chief marketing officer of Reverie Health. Louise, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks, Jeff. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so very humbled and looking forward to
0: it. Oh, thank you. Great to have you. And uh, for starters, why don't we share with our listeners what Reverie is?
1: Yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. So Reverie is a self-hypnosis app. Um, you can download it through the App Store or Google Play. Um, you can also access it via our web. But it was founded by Dr. David Spiegel um, and Ariel Polar. Dr. David Spiegel, uh, his father actually was the founder of hypnosis and popularized the whole concept. Um, Dr. Spiegel is a practicing psychiatrist, therapist, hypnotist in, in San Francisco. He's also a professor at Stanford and had been seeing and experiencing the impact of hypnosis on his clients in his offices for decades. You know, he's been practicing for over 40 years and was speaking at a conference around the power of of self-hypnosis and the subconscious to recalibrate our behavioral patterns. And Ariel Polar, who was one of the founding team guys from um, Strava, happened to be in the audience. And they ended up talking about the need to democratize this incredible practice. And Reverie was was built. And so we're really focused on taking self-hypnosis and hypnosis overall mainstream. It is wildly misunderstood. Um, Lots of stigma kicking around that we are looking to judo chop. And so we're in a position now where we're a year old um, or a year young, I should say. Our product is, is really, inc- really cool. We're seeing loads of impacts coming out of our community and the people. That so
0: I um, it's really interesting. How How is it different than prayer or meditation or self-reflection or gratitudes?
1: Yeah. So I think first things first, there is merit in many practices and treatments. And I think just like the foods that we eat or the habit that you have in your lifestyle, different inputs make a <clears> difference. <throat> people. So it's not that we are against or challenging practices like meditation or journaling or prayer. I think the difference with with meditation, for example, is that it is a management practice and technique, which requires consistent practice. With hypnosis, when you go into a hypnotic state, we're accessing the subconscious. So we're actually recalibrating your behavioral patterns. So it's much more common that you will be cured or treated or feel completely different after one to two sessions as opposed to something that you need to practice consistently.
0: Really interesting. So when we were talking to get ready for the program, you had shared that your path to the CMO was very unconventional because you did not have any formal marketing training. And in fact, many of your early jobs were not in marketing at all. So how, how did you come to be CMO?
1: Completely by accident. And it's something that I'm really passionate about sharing because so many young women in particular, but young people who I've mentored or I get into touch with are so restricted by this regimented career trajectory. Um, And I never had that. And I think I'm a great example of someone that had huge amounts of passion for working in tech, um, especially tech for good. So leveraging technology, especially the app. Category to provide more access to people. Whether that was dating, when I worked at Bumble, meditation, when I worked at Headspace, or or here. But I really started my career studying philosophy, sociology, anthropology. Was wildly interested in the study of people, why we behave the way we do, where social anxieties come from, why some people are more confident than others. And I think that led me down the path of wanting to understand storytelling, and then even more so than that, really looking at why consumers behaved the way they do and ultimately fell into a role where brands wanted to market to that psychology. And I really felt like I understood it and learned quite quickly the channels and different ways in which you could, you could target that.
0: It's really, really fascinating. So I know you're a big proponent, um, in your groups and your teams that you build about culture. Yep. So uh, what's your approach?
1: So I think culture is a, a word that kind of gets thrown around a lot, a little bit like social impact even companies I've worked at, it's almost like where's our culture team over there or where's our social impact strategy over there rather than starting with your culture should blend and bleed into everything that you do. The culture that you set internally should be represented in your product, uh, in your community forums, in your customer communication, in your events, but also in the way that you handle and hold yourself as a leader or as an employee, regardless of level. So I think my first thing is, democracy and democratic understanding of every single piece is probably the most important thing. I also feel, because I am relatively young in my career to be a CMO, that I still have this air of complete humility to be in this role. And I'm hiring people around me that are probably better at me in some cases at their jobs than I could ever be. And I think having the humility to say, I will be successful when I hire the right people with the right specialist knowledge that can ultimately lift us up in every single area of the business. My job is to empower them to be the best at that. And so my approach to leadership overall is lead with humility, be in service of the folks that are hired around beneath, the above, beside you. And more than that, constantly be learning. No one learns anything when they have an ego and arrogance and too much confidence, I am impossibly imperfect, just like the next person, and just because I am senior with a with a title, it, it really doesn't make a difference. I think my role is to unlock potential of my team and inspire them on that journey and that that's something I'm really passionate about
0: so you, you talked about humility and, and empowerment. Um, are there other values or virtues that you try and enforce and or look for when you're hiring potential people to join your team?
1: Yeah. Definitely. I think the ability to be scrappy at a time when there are channels within the marketing space that are unpredictable. We all know that the paid world is very unpredictable in terms of being able to strategically predict which channels and which creative is going to be optimized for, for effective return. So I think someone that is open to being sort of that hustler within an environment of learning quickly and optimizing as they go is definitely something we look for. The second thing is somebody that can flex into other areas of the business. I think traditionally, you know, if you were on the content team, you were that side of the business. And if you were the product team, you were on the other side. And the two functions never really met unless there was a an all hands, for example. Our team are completely cross-functional. So if I'm out sick... My VP of product, Devon, who was absolutely incredible, should be able to take my seat and take the calls that I should have been on and vice versa. I should be able to lead her product team because semantically and philosophically, we understand each other's roles. We're a really small team. So obviously that's easier. You know, we're sub 20 people. But I would say that I think we're going to move into the space of completely cross-functional teams aligned with, you know, OKRs that are cross cross-functional as opposed to these silos because... We all know that integrated marketing is effective. So I I think that's something that I definitely look for. And then the last thing, which I think is really important, is transparency. I never think we should get to a point where there's a review where feedback is given. I'm always surprised if I'm given feedback like a month after an incident has happened. And I think it also reminds people that feedback should be regular and it should be a positive experience of which... The entire infrastructure of the business can learn and optimize against.
0: And I love home. that. So you you have this one on one hand, this great opportunity and challenge of evangelizing like a, a new approach to self care and health, and then you're also a CMO at a time when, let's face it, the world is changing at lightning speed, and and, yeah. and we all are tap dancing and trying to innovate and move and adapt. How, how are you balancing both of those? I mean, how, do you, how do you innovate in a space that's moving faster than sometimes our ability to implement and at the same time evangelize on something that is relatively uh, maybe misunderstood or not known at all?
1: Probably the reason I took the job was that question that I asked myself. Can I do this? Can we demystify an entire category, which traditionally, you know, take meditation. It took us five, six, seven years to do that with meditation make it mainstream. Can we do that whilst also growing a commercial business with promising unit economics? The answer is we're achieving that by taking each week by week with regards to outcome and output. So we might be planning for a brand refresh in two months time, but we're also being very, very careful that every single week there has to be channels and activity going out in the wild. So it's sort of a balance of 65% of we're out there and we are bringing it to the masses so that we are growing effectively alongside a consistent, sustainable planning of brand communications, education, you know, these sorts of things take time to come to fruition. But the reality is, and this is one of the biggest challenges I've faced, it takes time to build a brand. It's like saying to someone, fall in love tomorrow, but also at the same time, I want you to have 25 partners. It's like, well, I mean, at this point, the two things aren't necessarily capable of happening at the same time. So I think that will always be the challenge for CMOs, but it's one that I think is really interesting because all of us as, as people, as characters, you know, I can be a very calm, introverted person. I can always you know, also be the life and soul if I feel like it. So it's more like, what is this marriage of these two parts of, of what what is needed to grow the business? And how do we bring these pieces together in a way that is delivering return so we can keep investing in the long-term gains?
0: Excellent. So you you mentioned brand. And I think that for a lot of marketers, it, it's it's lost a bit of focus on that over the last few years because there's this pressure to, show results to work with technology and and, and all about the financing and demand gen and yes that is an absolute critical part but so is the uh, brand and the storytelling and balancing that what's your approach to that how do you balance art and science how do you get brand and demand in in equal proportion if at all
1: I think so I'm at a point right now where you know if we had a year We would spend a year building this most beautiful, emotional, romantic brand that could totally inject the market in a way that probably much quicker would deliver return. But we don't have the luxury of that because we want to grow at the same time. So for us, it's about how can we take the emotional human component of what what brand is, really brand is about feeling, right, and inject that into channels, paid, social communications, media takeovers that can deliver return so that we're not compromising on either side of the court. So we're still getting the education, the impacts, the storytelling at a very base human level out there, but we're doing it in channels that we feel really confident can deliver return. And then in tandem with that, we are planning much more aggressively behind the scenes for long-term integrated campaigns that can probably deliver 10x what those ads would be able to, and so I think it's a very fine balance between the two, but we will never compromise our brand integrity by putting something in paid channels, which is off-brand. We're trying to find the sweet spot of what can deliver an effective cost per acquisition, whilst also increasing and educating people on the visibility of hypnosis.
0: Because you're new in the space and relatively differentiated, would you consider your brand to be a top dog or an underdog?
1: 100, I don't even have to think, 100% an underdog. We are the underdog of the mental health, wellness, self-care space. People don't think we are legitimate. And I think there is really powerful tension in that. You know, the best thing about being a woman, Jeff, I say this often, is being underestimated. Great, don't think I can do anything. Put me in the room and we'll prove you otherwise. And I think that's the, that's the ambition we have for hypnosis. We know it works. We've got the stories in front of us. We are clinically backed and we're confident. We just need the space and the right team around who also believe in that to take it take it mainstream.
0: Are there other brands that have been underdogs that inspire you?
1: Yeah, I love all these questions. You're literally like, I love this. Um, so uh, probably not brands specifically, but if you look at categories, take, well, I guess Oatly is a great example. Take oat milk. Nobody was drinking oat milk. In actual fact, you know, studies have come out saying that oat milk might not be so good for you after all of us have been glugging away the last three years on our oat milk lattes. That was a category that was completely undefined. And they took a really bold, creative, uh, very relatable approach to brand marketing that delivered return and grew the business. Take the psychedelic space. Um, You know, this mushroom tease and all of this kind of mushroom obsession that everyone has at the moment in terms of navigating their brain. People are moving away from meditation and into more of the clinical backed space where where products and brands are explaining what's actually happening in their brain when they take these drinks or substances or whatever it might be that that are obviously legal. You know, take the female libido space or, or female sexual pleasure. Five years ago, nobody was talking about what it meant to have an orgasm and and what products women should be exploring. The amount of influencers I see that are comfortable promoting that, all of these brands and categories existed in that underdog environment and they all had the same consistent red thread. And that's what we have. And that is that there is tension in in stigma. And that tension is Mm -hmm. where creative brand marketing can be really powerful.
0: I love that, really well said. So as you reflect back on your amazing career so far, Is there any advice you would go back and give your younger self?
1: My gosh, so much. I think the most consistent one would be, don't doubt yourself so much. I did a lot and I took a lot of risks, but I didn't have the confidence that I do now because obviously I have hindsight of that worked, that didn't, that was effective. You know, experience is an incredible asset in terms of how you make future decisions. But I think for for younger people today, you know, it's, it's these errors and these developments and learnings that actually teach you. I've never learned anything when something's gone right. I've launched brilliant campaigns that have delivered exceedingly good return. We didn't learn anything. We just went, well and on to the next. It was when we did things really wrong that actually we learned the most effective lessons. And I think it took me to I was a bit older in my career and just generally as an individual to recognize that mistakes aren't ever mistakes, because they always lend and lead you down a path of of understanding a different route. And I think we need to get into that mindset where when someone makes an error, we don't even position it or use the words like error. It's like, this is great that that went wrong. Let's celebrate what we learned within that, whatever we want to call it, kind of challenge decision. And I also think not to be so afraid of being young. You know, I'm 35 lots of people in my career have said, gosh, you're so young to be a VP or you're so young to be a CMO. And even just those sentences automatically as a woman make you feel like you're an imposter, even though you have the credit and the campaigns and the team and all of the backing behind you, it can still, and I think it's a, especially a female thing, it, it can still make you feel like you're not worthy of the seat. And I think as I've got more and more senior in my career, I've just become so passionate about, you know, if, if you're not being given a seat at that table, like go and make your own table. It's, it's not representative rep- or reflective of you. It's reflective of the short-sightedness of those around you.
0: Yes, we're going to have to put that on a bumper sticker. If you don't get a seat at <laughs> the table, go ahead and make your own table. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Build
1: your own house for crying out loud. <laughs>
0: What, do I stop there? Yeah. <laughs> Build your own city. <laughs> exactly, <yeah. laughs> uh, and if our listeners want to learn more about self-hypnosis and reverie, where can they go?
1: They can go to www.reverie.com or they can just type in uh, reverie to their app store or their Google Play. And yeah, there's a free hypnotizability test, which I think is really important because the more hypnotizable you are, the more effective that hypnosis can be. It's worth me mentioning It's not for everyone. It might not work after one session for everyone. It depends where you are on the scale. You know, we have a scale of one to 10. If you're closer to one, the frequency that you would need to do it would be more. I'm a seven. Um, I did um, the quit alcohol session, didn't drink after that. I do the quit sleeping all the time or sleep better, sorry. And so doing that test, I think will help dictate, it's free sort of the effectiveness of it on, on yourself and your behavioral patterns. I would definitely encourage folks to do that.
0: Fantastic. Love it. Louise Tron, CMO Reverie, thank you for being on the program.
1: Thank you, Jess.
0: All right. Best of luck. We'll see you soon.
1: See you soon.